talking about spiritual gifts. And uh, in this Romans passage that we read today, we see a number of different gifts that are talked about. There's prophecy and ministry, teaching, encouraging, giving, leadership and administration, compassion, intercession, hospitality. There are just a number of gifts listed in this passage, and they all contribute to what God is calling the body of Christ to be and to do. Many of you sitting in this room today have those gifts. Some of you know that you have them. Some of you don't know yet. And some of you are learning about them. Last week, we talked about some of the establishing gifts and how those gifts are there to be equipping those who have some of the other gifts. And that the job of those that have been given those establishing gifts is to equip the saints for the work of service. So in the next few weeks, we're going to be taking a closer look at these various gifts of the Spirit themselves. But for today, we're going to take a look at Romans chapter 12, the first few verses. And this is really important because... As we discover the gifts that God has given us, we need to understand that God wants all of us. Not just a part of us in deploying these gifts in the body of Christ. God wants all of us, not just on a Sunday morning. God wants all of us, all of our lives, wherever we are, in worship of him. Please pray with me. Lord, as we come to your word today, we ask that you would speak to our hearts, convict us, call us deeper in relationship with you. By your spirit, help us to leave behind those things that weigh us down and hold us back that we would be able to press on further in and further up with you, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Very first verse of this chapter, Paul says, On the basis of God's mercy, present yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable act of worship. Let's read it one more time and allow that word of God to sink into us. On the basis of God's mercy, present yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable act of worship. When we recognize what God has done for us through his son, Jesus Christ, the only reasonable response is to give ourselves completely to him. There's no partial measures. Jesus didn't save us partially. He doesn't forgive us in part. It's a complete transformative metamorphosis and work that Christ does in us. And it demands a complete giving of ourselves 
to him. This is Jesus, the Christ, the grace giver, the dead raiser, right? Speaking of bylines, <laughs> Carter the Handsome, Jesus, the dead raiser. Yes. <laughs> we are born in sin. Sin has deathly consequences. And we have no hope of getting away from those consequences. But while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He takes our place, taking those consequences upon himself, the punishment of our sin, so that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. We are saved from the fires of hell and eternal separation of God to the eternal presence of God, to the restored heaven and the new earth, to everything being made new through Christ's redemptive work. This is an act of grace and mercy. It is undeserved. It is an ultimate gift. And we need to never forget that or become too comfortable with that reality. That alone should be enough motivation for us to give our whole lives to God. But sometimes it's not. Sometimes other things take precedence in our minds. Sometimes things compete for God's place on the throne of our hearts. Where would we be without God's love? And forgiveness. Where would we be without his presence? What hope would we have? What meaning would our life have without him? If we're honest with ourselves, then we suddenly might begin to realize the wonder of what God has done for us in Christ. So living sacrifices... Right? When I was, when I was uh, in college, I remember a, a band by the name of Living Sacrifice. I couldn't understand a word that they sang because it was Christian death metal. <laughs> but that's about as rebellious as we got, you know. <laughs> um, but who are the living sacrifices in Scripture? Think about Isaac. That's a hard... Hard account in scripture for me to think about. I don't even like to read it, honestly. It, it makes me really uncomfortable. Just being honest. It makes me sad. But it also makes me so grateful to God for what he did. Isaac being laid on the altar by his father, still alive. Isaac had seen plenty of sacrifices. And he knew what it meant to be laid on the altar. Even as they trusted God to provide a sacrifice. And of course we know the rest of the story he did. But in that moment, that laying of Isaac and his life on the altar. A living sacrifice fully at the mercy of Almighty God. That's trust. That's obedience. 
Another one we see in Scripture, obviously, is Jesus willing to become the sacrifice to end all sacrifices for our atonement, willfully handing himself over to the torture and the suffering and the death for all of us. And as we think about Isaac, as we think about the ultimate sacrifice, Jesus, we are told to be a living sacrifice. Not because more sin needs to be atoned for. That's already been done and taken care of by Jesus and his work on the cross. But because of the mercies of God, we are called to present ourselves back to God as a living sacrifice. Dead sacrifices don't really cost us much, do they? I mean, I, I've never, you know, bought doves and sacrificed them somewhere or, you know, dragged my goat into church, uh, that sort of thing. But if you think about it, that's sort of a one and done, right? But a living sacrifice is an ongoing act of putting our whole selves in with God. It's a day-by-day, often moment-by-moment decision to place Christ on the throne of our hearts when other things are constantly vying for that spot. A living sacrifice is continuous in its action and in its devotion. And this means that we are called to live our lives as an act of worship. It's not going to worship on Sunday morning, just it is living our lives as an act of worship. It means that it, our worship infuses all the hours of our day. It infuses our activities, our relationships, our opportunities, our tasks, our problems, our successes, our failures, that everything that we are doing and saying and thinking, we're offering to the Lord as an act of worship. We're offering to the Lord as enthroning Christ upon our hearts instead of our own selfish needs and desires. This idea of, of worshiping God with our whole lives is really linking our faith and our works, isn't it? It's putting our money where our mouth is, so to speak. It's, it's lining up our priorities and our decisions and our reactions with what God and Christ would have them be rather than what the world, the flesh, and the devil would like to work in us. We might say, I'm going to church to worship God. But can we also say, I'm going to the office to worship God. I'm going to school to worship God. I'm, I'm going to the garage to worship God. I'm going to the garden to worship God. I love this quote from A.W. Tozer. It's challenging. It says, If you will not worship God seven days a week, you do not worship him on one day a week. <laughs> That's a tough one. A lot of truth in that, though. The second verse, Romans chapter 12, goes on and says this. Do not be conformed to this age or to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. 
So when we present ourselves to God as a living sacrifice, it enables us to be able to relate to the world in the way that God would have us do that. If we try to relate to the world before we've presented our whole selves to God as a living sacrifice, the results are not going to be good. When we give ourselves to God, it's reflected in how we live, right? So, as followers of Jesus Christ, we live in the secular world, but we are called to not be trapped and molded by it. We're sort of the original non-conformist counterculture uh, people, as it were. We're not supposed to be chameleons, and for too long, the church in North America has tried to be a chameleon with the culture in order to attract more people to its numbers. And in fact, the opposite effect has taken place. When we give ourselves to God as a living sacrifice, that transformation is reflected in our walk, in our talk, in our personality. When we give ourselves to God, we don't live as self-centered people anymore, but as Christ-centered. That word, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, is the same word for metamorphosis. The butterfly looks nothing like the caterpillar, right? Like, if you didn't know that process happened, you wouldn't even think they were related. The same is true for us. That when Christ gets a hold of us, we are transformed. The twisted, mutilated by sin, the world, the flesh, and the devil version of us is completely restored. So when we give ourselves to the Lord, when we present ourselves as a living sacrifice, when we seek to be transformed by the work of the Holy Spirit... God's power is released in us. Power for holy living, power over sin, power over temptations of the world, the flesh, and the devil, power to deploy the gifts of the Spirit, as we've been talking about, in the church and in our daily life and work. So we can have all these gifts available to us, but without presenting ourselves as a living sacrifice to God first, without cultivating a lifestyle of worship, Without the internal transformation that is born of repentance and salvation and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, the gifts are just going to sit there, unopened, underutilized, gathering dust, and the body of Christ will continue to be anemic, having a form of godliness, but without its power. So we are called to repent of our sin, to stop holding back parts of ourselves from God. To lay aside that sin that entangles us, to step fully and wholeheartedly with passion and zeal into the fullness that God offers us in the resurrection power of Jesus. And to see what God can do in us and in the world when we will step out in faith and lay ourselves on the altar before him. Lord, this morning, we're about to come to the table, receive Holy Communion. Lord, we've already confessed sin, but God, in this moment, 
We know that part of ourselves that we've been holding back from you. That part of ourselves that we've reserved, that we haven't laid on the altar before you. Because your Holy Spirit's been telling us. And so Lord, while we are open to what you're saying to us, we surrender that part of us to you. Lord, if it's sin, we repent of it. We turn our back on it. And we turn to you. Help us to not return to it again. Lord, if it's something that's out of line with our priorities, help us each time that that comes in and tries to threaten to remember that Christ is the only one that deserves the throne of our hearts. Please replace in us self-centeredness with Christ-centeredness. And may your transformation work through every aspect of our lives so that as we go about our daily life and work and as we go to school, as we go to work, as we go to worship, that everything we do and say would honor you, that our lives themselves would be an act of worship. That we would have the faith and the trust in you to offer ourselves wholly and completely. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.